Good morning again. Good. Uh, so, my message today is called Select Difficulty, and I was thinking how to, to open with that, and I thought about a knock-knock joke, I thought about different things, and I remembered a joke that I've loved for a really long time, but I have to ask first, uh, do you guys, does anybody in here know who Drew Brees is? I like that you're already laughing, good. Uh, he is a quarterback who I feel is overrated, still good. Uh, he uh, recently retired, he went to Purdue, which is an unforgivable sin, but still he went to Purdue. Uh, I'm an IU fan. Uh, so the joke goes, when he was graduating, so several years ago, uh, he didn't have his math credits all the way. Like, it wasn't that he'd failed or anything. He just didn't have the math credits, and he's graduating. He'd done so many bowl games and so many uh, college football games and everything that he'd led Purdue through. And so he goes to the dean, and he's like, man, I, I, I've really given so much, and I love this school. I, I'm getting ready to go to the NFL, but I really want to have that degree. And, you know, the dean's like, well, you know, I'll think about it. Just go to graduation, and we'll talk. And so at graduation day, like, all the people are there, and more fans than usual because Drew Brees was, had done a lot. And so everybody's there, and, and the crowd starts chanting, you know, give Drew a chance. Give him a chance. And the dean's like, okay, okay. Drew, stand up. And so everybody cheers, and he's like, if you can answer this question, I'll, you can graduate with your class. He's like, what, seven times seven? And Drew is like, 49. And the crowd groans, and like, oh, give him another chance. Give him another chance. <laughs> so there you go. It's my favorite joke. Thank you. I like the... <laughs> Uh, but that illustrates that, in a way, difficulty is in the eye of the beholder, but we all have different grasps on different things. Uh, in our faith, uh, many of us here have grown up in the church. Some of us have come to it later on, but, but we're here today to worship him, and so we have this relationship with Jesus. And I don't know where every single person is on your walk with Christ, but we're all on that walk, and we're going together. And yet, we're all at different places. And when we go out into the world, people don't even know him sometimes, or, or they're at a far different place. And we get so excited and so frustrated that we want to kind of pull everybody to our level immediately. Now, now the problem with that is, has anybody here ever played video games? So like in video games, when you start, I have a point, I'm not just asking random questions today. Uh, when you start video games, there's always a, a select difficulty screen where you say, you know, I, I just want easy, or I want uh, beginner mode, or neutral mode, middle mode, or story mode, or difficult mode, hard mode, whatever mode you choose. Let's go with Mario. So, you know, you start Mario, and you're like, I just want to do normal mode, and you go through, and the turtles are normal speed, and, and you do what you're doing, and you hit the bricks, and whatever else happens in Mario, and, and you know, you're kind of used to it. But if you get really good at video games then you may go up to, to difficult where the, the turtles go faster and everything's crazy and it, it's just hard. But if it's your very first time ever playing a video game, you can't start there. You're just going to be like, I don't want to play a video game anymore. Like, this isn't worth it. And sometimes we kind of put people into that position with, with Christianity because we want them to be where we are because, you know, on, on the good side, we know that this is the right thing to do, the right way to live. But we want their difficulty to immediately be like, hey, hey, hey. And so I want to go back to the, the New Testament reading, which is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. 
When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share that weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessing. So the very first thing Paul starts with here is free will, which is basically saying, I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I have free will. I can have opinions. I can handle my life however I want to handle it. But then he goes on to say, but it's not about me. It's about what God has for me. And so I give that to God. And through God, I give it to other people. And I do what I can to share Christ, to bring him to everybody, to show Jesus, to make Jesus known to the world. And he talks about how he was with the Jews. Uh, he would participate in their ceremonies. He would eat how they ate. He would uh, forego the things that they would forego. He would wear the, the things that they wear. Uh, he, he participated in their purification ceremonies. He did all these things he didn't have to do. He even had Timothy circumcised, which more of a sacrifice for Timothy than him, but it's still something that he's doing. I like the slow burn on these things. Uh, it's still something that he does to really share his faith with them because he's finding common ground. And then he goes and he's with the Gentiles. He doesn't do those same things. Uh, he'll eat bacon with them. Like he'll do all these things that they do. He'll, he'll dress how they dress. He'll, he'll eat with them. He'll share with them because he's finding common ground. He's building relationships. He's showing Jesus by being with the people, but not by lording himself above them and saying, you're doing it wrong. This is how you do it right. I got to tell you, anytime somebody's come up to me and said that, I'm not really a fan of whatever they say next. Uh, and, and so he was sensitive to their needs. He identified with them. He went to them where they were today, where they are in that moment, not expecting them to be experts yet, not expecting their difficulty to be way out here, not expecting them to be perfect yet, but to where they are and planted that seed with the hope that they would grow with the hope that they would move forward and showed them how to do that. Uh, to kind of illustrate this, I searched the internet for, I just tried to find the cutest baby possible. And so I believe I have a random picture of a baby up here. Uh, if you've ever talked to me ever, then you know that I have a niece named Beatrice. And this is her behind me. This is her, I'm sorry, I love that picture. This is her birthday picture. Uh, and she's with her bicycle. Uh, and so she's just very excited, and yesterday we had a birthday party, and it was so cool, and, and just to see her sit in her own chair and eat her own cake and all of these things, it was crazy. When she was first born, two years ago, crazy, when she was first born, if I had taken her just out to the sidewalk and held her up by her arms and said, start walking, she would have fallen flat, and I wouldn't have been able to see her much probably. Don't try that at home. No, even now, like, she's getting used to her bicycle, and I know it's called a tricycle, but that's how she says it, and I like it. She's getting used to it. She can't quite get the pedals because she's a little short, but she knows what to do, and she moves. If you take her off of that, and you put her behind the seat of a car, it's not good. Like, your insurance company's not going to be thrilled with that. So don't do that either. But, but the point is, she learns by experience, but by example. 
by what Amber shows her, by the love that we show her. Yesterday at her party, uh, so many people were in this house just to celebrate her. And, you know, she's opening the presents, and she goes kind of slow. Now, myself, if somebody gives me presents, and feel free to, uh, I open them quickly. Uh, You don't even know that they were closed at one point, and so I just open them. Uh, She goes really slow, and she opens them, and then she would take each present, each single present, and run it back to the corner where her baby's bassinet was and put it in there and then cover it up and then run back and do another present and just kept doing that so it took twice as long. But that was her pace. That's what she was doing and everybody, nobody was rushing her, nobody was saying, Beatrice, come on, grow up. Because she has to learn. And we set the example for her, for all the young ones, we set that example. And we go to where she is, and then we help her to have a place as she grows forward, as she grows up, as she learns to do more things. I can't expect her to be able to do the same things as I do. I can't even expect her to say the same things that I do. Now, she knows how to say Spider-Man, and that's the most important thing. But it's, it's something that's a process. And I believe that we all know that when it comes to children, especially beautiful children. But sometimes we forget, again, when it comes to other people. Because we want them to get it. Or we get annoyed at them. Or we get frustrated at them. I can't even get on Facebook anymore because every side of everything is just constant fighting. And sometimes we feel more or we act more like we'd rather be right. Like we'd rather win arguments than win souls. Paul, for him to write these words is so cool to me. Because when he started, period, he was on the Pharisee side of things. And at the very least, and this is giving him a lot of credit, at the very least, he helped to murder Christians. Now, he may have had much more of a role in that. Regardless, he was involved in the arresting and murdering of Christians. And it wasn't just because he didn't like what they were doing. He's like, you have a chance. Change and be exactly like me. Or die. Because he had grown up in that life of forcing his will on other people. Because he didn't like what they were doing. He didn't like what they were saying. He didn't like how they were worshiping. He didn't like how they were living. He didn't like how they were dressing. He didn't like what they liked. He didn't care about free will. He cared about his will. And now, like, Jesus opened his eyes, literally. And and Paul from there was like, oh, wow. That doesn't work. See, Jesus didn't have to do that. Jesus could have just shut him down there because Jesus has the power. But he came down to him and he opened his eyes. He gave him this chance. He, he helped him to know the better way. And as he's speaking in this passage, the important part, the key part to me, is he says, I went to them. I was all things to all people. But I didn't break the law of Christ. He didn't change his faith. He didn't change his doctrine. He didn't change his beliefs. But he changed his approach, he changed his behavior, he he changed how he went to people, he found common ground. If he was with a Cowboys fan, he would share in the sadness of high expectations and losing. If he was with a Bengals fan, he would explain what an end zone looks like and just all of these different things. (laughs) 
but he would change how he related to them. If he had gone to the Jews like he did to the Gentiles, they're not listening to him. If he had gone to the Gentiles and said, guys, grow up, they're not listening to them. And so he went to them with God. And, and like I said before, we get frustrated. We do. We get frustrated because we know what we know. We believe what we believe, and we truly feel it. Most of us here have lived this life of, of example, where we feel these examples. We've lived a, a life where we've seen people get healed, or we've seen people be saved, and we know that this is the right way. And so we get a little impatient. We get frustrated. We want to start people at that master difficulty. We want to win arguments. We want to be loud sometimes. When I was in college, several, several decades ago, uh, there was a guy on the corner for most of the time I was there, and he'd have a sign that said, you're going to hell, and he had a bullhorn. And every time anybody, like he was there all day during, it seemed like he was there all the time, and just constantly, every time anybody passed, you're going to hell. Yelled it, you're going to hell. It didn't start, it didn't even start with, hey, Jesus saves, or you're going to hell, it's just you're going to hell. And I think, and I didn't talk to him, but I think his goal or his heart's goal may have been, if I really scare them, if I really make them fear, then they'll come and they'll talk to me and I'll be able to save them. I think he had I a lot in his reasoning. In my time there, I never saw anybody go to talk to him. Because when you go at people with a bullhorn and say that they're already awful, oops, already evil, what, what more is there to hear? Now, what if he had stood out there and said, God loves you? I bet more people would have talked to him. I have another scripture, and as I lead into it, I think sometimes, regardless of how we grew up, we feel that that's the way. Because the world is very much about beating down to win opinions. That's essentially politics. And so we kind of feel like, how do I do this differently? How, how can I possibly convince people if I can't yell, if I can't argue, if I can't hit them with a bullhorn? How can I do this? How can I really be a better example? And, and I want to go to Romans eight twenty six through 27. This is Paul's words also. Uh, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So what this says basically is when we go to pray, sometimes we're very clear in what we're saying and we know, but most of the time I think we, we just have a lot on our minds, on our hearts, on our shoulders, and we just kind of pour that out. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm praying, I, I'm not really in perfect paragraph structure. Like, I'm all over the place sometimes because I'm just talking. And the Spirit intercedes for that. He hears our words, and God hears them, and, and there's this translation, I guess, for lack of a better term. And God doesn't have to do that. What's God doing there? He's coming to us where we are, giving us this chance to speak. He's not saying... You have to say it exactly like this. You have to be exactly like this. Just come to me, is what he's saying. He's giving us that example, even in that. When we don't know what we should pray, there's intercession, there's help. As long as we build our relationship with him, as long as we grow, as long as we do our best to move forward in him, 
He's there. He's in our heart. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's helping us, not just in what we pray, but in what we say. One of the things I tell the teens, you're going to mess up. And I say, you know, this isn't a justification. Don't be like, oh, Jeff said I'm going to mess up, so now I can go do whatever I want and then ask for forgiveness later. That's a very dangerous thing. But when you have that understanding that, you know, I am going to mess up. Knowing I can learn from this, though. God's going to help me learn from this. I can get forgiveness and I can move forward. Your heart is open. Your heart is moving forward. You're going to mess up and witness it. You're going to get mad. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to say the wrong thing. But if you're open with him, he's going to remind you, okay, i got to cool down. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I could have everyone up here uh, in a row and, and tell me like who someone as a child or as when you're early in your faith or recently whenever uh, really was an example of Christ to you. Maybe a Sunday school teacher, a, a, a musician, a pastor, a, a choir director, whatever. Somebody that, that really was there and they're like, this person is what I want to be like. like their faith really inspires me. I'm not going to make you come up and say that. But think about that person. Think about their example for your life. Regardless of whether it was a child, an adult, somewhere in between, think about that example. Now, I'm going to wager, not literally because that's bad, that you can't remember every single word they ever said to you. Even if it's a parent or a great-grandparent or something, you can't remember every single word they ever said to you. But you remember the examples of their life. You remember how they treated you. You remember how they loved you. You remember how they shared with you. You remember how they were there for you. You remember those things. That's how we do this. Our words are not going to save people. We can't save people, period. Jesus does that. We can just point them. We can share with them. We can love them. We can go to them. We can help them to see that they're not alone. We can be that kind of example that we have. How? Well, one more scripture. Matthew seven twelve, and this is the golden rule. You've heard it. Uh, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So this actually existed before Jesus said it. Uh, but in its early incantations, when it was first created and through the time Jesus said it, it was a negative thing. Not like negative, negative, but like do not do to other people what you wouldn't want them to do to you. So if I don't want somebody to punch me, I don't go and punch them, that type of thing. But what Jesus did was take something that was very passive. It was basically just, hey, sit home and don't bother people and you're good. And make it active, make it love, make it an action. He said, hey, it's not enough to just not hate people. Now, some people need to start there. But it's not enough to just not hate people. You have to love them. And if you want people to love you, go love them. If you want people to feel God's love, you have to show it to them. If you want people to do good, you have to do good. And what I've done is expanded it a little bit. I'm not like taking it, but expanding it a little bit. So not just do to others. Speak to others how you would want them to speak to you. Listen to others how you would want them to listen to you. Help others how you would want them to help you. Love others how you would want them to love you. And then go down to the bottom there. 
not just you. Do to others what you would want them to do to your little niece. What you would want them to do to your parents, your great-grandparents, your, your, your children, your wife, your husband, your friend. Treat people, not just how you want to be treated, but you, how you would want your loved ones to be treated. And that puts it in a little bit of different perspective to me. Stop and think when you're in the heat of the moment. Stop and think, okay, am I just trying to win an argument here? How would I respond if somebody came at me like this? If somebody expected this of me right away, how would I respond if somebody treated me like this? Really think about that. Now, Paul said this, you know, go be like the people you're with. Go to their level and talk to them, share the faith. These words came from Jesus. God's perfect. He's complete. He's holy. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Doesn't need us. And yet, he came to us. Jesus had a human body. He didn't have to. He could have stood there after John baptized him and said, guys, this is the law. This is the right thing to do. Do it or you're dead. Could have done that. What he did, though, was eat with Zacchaeus, talk with the woman at the well, bring these 12 disciples, some of which betrayed him, bring them together and share with them every day. He was like us for us. And if he could do that, how could we not? You see, Jesus loves us so much that he came to our level to meet us. And then he said, guys, you got to go and do this. This is not just me saving your lives, although that's a vital part of it. This is not just me taking your sins and sacrificing myself. That's a vital part of it. This is not just me resurrecting. This is me setting an example every day of how you treat other people. You think the Pharisees didn't annoy Jesus? You think that people around sinning and doing these awful things and turning away from him, they didn't bug him? But how did he treat them? With love, with honesty, with truth. He didn't change the message. But how he delivered it. And he treated everybody with respect, with honor. He treated everybody at the level they were. And then as they got older, he expected more. He expected more from Peter as he got to the end of his ministry than he did at the beginning. He helped people. He loved people. He made himself known through love, through treating other people like that to be like him, to make him known. We must do the same. That's all I got.